This is the Ultra Running History Podcast, and I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode five. In this episode, I'll share the history of the crossing of the Grand Canyon starting more than 120 years ago and ending up with the ultra-running races that were held running across the canyon back in the 1980s. I've run more than a thousand miles solo down in the amazing Grand Canyon. No way. Yes, I have, including 15 double crossings and 5 runs of more than 80 miles each. Wow. It is my favorite place to run. I love the peace and quiet running there in the dark with the moonlight reflecting off the high cliffs. By the light of the silvery moon, of the silvery moon. In the evening, I love to shine my eerie green light up to the tourists looking down from the south rim. Huh? I love running through Phantom Ranch when everyone is asleep except for the cooks in the kitchen. I love the sound of the canyon tree frogs at night and the drainages that sound like sheep. I love watching the canyon come to life in the morning from its depths. Here comes the sun, here comes the sun, I say it's alright. I love the silence on the Tonto Trail when I can hear my heartbeat. I love to watch the bighorn sheep scale steep cliffs. I didn't love when a huge cactus needle went all the way through the sole of my shoe into my foot. I love to run along the roaring bright angel creek through the box. I love the reactions near the top of the rim when people realize that I'm running back down. I tell them, I left my wallet at the bottom. What? I love to watch the Brady Bunch Grand Canyon episode when Bobby and Cindy somehow impossibly got lost near Phantom Ranch. I love to run across the Black Bridge over the Colorado River through the tunnel. The tunnel's actually quite long, as you can hear me echoing here. Echo? Yes. Alright, and we're through the tunnel now. we got a long climb up the South Kaibab. I love watching a mouse running up the trail ahead of me at night in the cold rain. I even loved almost running into a beaver at night in the reeds along Bright Angel Creek. <gasps> Most of all, I love reaching the last switchback after the long, steep second climb. I love the Grand Canyon. It's the canyon itself that brings together the human history and the science. It's not just a canyon, it's the grandest canyon. There are deeper, there are wider, there are longer canyons, but none of them are the Grand Canyon. 
that is my story. Now for the history surrounding the crossing of this amazing wonder of the world. Crossing the Grand Canyon on foot is an activity that has taken place for more than 100 years. Each year, thousands of people cross the famous canyon and many, or most of them, return the same day, experiencing what has been called for decades as a double crossing, or in more recent years, a rim to rim to rim. For those who have not yet had the experience of venturing into the inner Grand Canyon, today, if you run across the Grand Canyon, you have choices. You can start from the South Rim or from the North Rim. It depends on where you are traveling from. A South Start is more common. On the South Side, you would use either the Bright Angel Trail from Grand Canyon Village or the South Kaibab Trail that starts a few miles to the east using a shuttle to Yaki Point. On the North Rim, the North Kaibab Trail is used. These are the main trails into the Grand Canyon and referred to as the corridor trails used by the masses and mule trains. There are two bridges along the corridor to cross the Colorado River, Black Bridge or Silver Bridge. This history lesson starts when there was no Grand Canyon Village, no Phantom Ranch at the bottom, the trails didn't exist and there were no bridges to cross. Let's go back in time to the late 1800s. But make sure you check out the article on ultrarunninghistory.com for many historic pictures, more details, and most importantly, a map. The first trail was Bright Angel Trail coming down from the South Rim. In 1890, Ralph Cameron settled on the South Rim and improved the trail down to Indian Garden. Cameron charged a toll of $1 to use the trail. By 1903, traveling down to the river and back in one day by horse and foot was possible. A 1905 description of riding and hiking down the Bright Angel Trail to the river and back included, quote, The trip from the rim to the river is a trip of six or more hours. In three hours, we made Indian Gardens, where there was a little camp situated for accommodation of the travelers, consisting of a good-sized dining room and several tent houses furnished with Navajo rugs and little white cots. Resting a few moments, we started onward to the river. This portion of the trail is much steeper and difficult. The animals were abandoned at a zigzag place called the Devil's Corkscrew. The Colorado River was something of a disappointment to me, a sea of frothy mud and uninteresting. Returning to Indian Garden, they had a, quote, fine dinner furnished us by Japanese cooks and waiters, and then we went by horse back up to the rim. Shifting over to the north side of the canyon, in 1902, Edwin Woolley of Utah started to pursue a vision to allow travel all the way across the Grand Canyon. He chose to establish a trail from the North Rim down Bright Angel Canyon, about five miles northeast of today's North Kaibab Trailhead. He and two others explored. There was no trail. They were successful to take some game trails down to the creek bottoms and concluded that a trail could be made. Later that year, surveyors mapped the route. Woolley formed the Grand Canyon Transportation Company in 1903 and work started hacking out some rock and vegetation on the trail that would also be called Bright Angel Trail. Woolley's vision was to connect the North Trail to the South Bright Angel Trail, resulting in one Bright Angel Trail to be used to travel from rim to rim. 
Wooly's son-in-law, David Rust, joined the company in 1906 and went down into the canyon to work with those who had been building the trail. By the end of the year, there was a suitable trail in place from the rim to the Colorado River. Their nearby camp became known as Rust Camp. It was located near present-day Phantom Ranch, about a half mile closer to the river. Rust and his crew improved Rust Camp with irrigation ditches and then planted cottonwood trees. Adventuresome tourists would initially come over the Colorado River by boat to visit the camp and go partway up the new trail. In order to get more tourists to the camp, in 1907, Wooley constructed a cable tram system across the Colorado River, allowing visits from the south rim without using a boat. The cable tram was about 400 feet long and about 40 feet above the water. It was near the location of today's Blackbridge. The tram became a major Grand Canyon tourist attraction. John Muir was among those who crossed over to the camp to visit. To truly establish Trans Canyon travel, what remained was to improve the trail on the south side from the tram on the river to the Bright Angel Trail at Indian Garden. Rust went to work. He knew that blasting a trail over the Colorado River's bank to get to Pipe Creek would involve too much blasting. So in 1908, he turned his attention to a prospect route called Wash Henry Trail that went up the steep canyon above the tram to a place called Tip-Off. The trail would then cross the Tonto Platform west to Indian Garden. The trails were connected in 1909. In 1910, one of the very early Grand Canyon runs took place. A rich woman was with a group on an outing on the north side of the canyon. An important telegram needed to be delivered to her. During the heat of July, a young man working at Kolb Brothers Photography volunteered to deliver it. The woman's company had a two-day head start on him, but he ran down the canyon into 100 degrees, crossed the river in the cable car, rusted at Rust Camp, forded Bright Angel Creek over and over again, and reached the company somewhere up the canyon in only six and a half hours. In 1913, former President Theodore Roosevelt visited Rust Camp, coming over in the cable car. His group went up to the North Rim to hunt mountain lions for several weeks. Because of the visit, soon Rust Camp was renamed to Roosevelt Camp. In 1916, Woolley's permit for Roosevelt Camp was revoked, and Rust moved to Zion Canyon to guide tourists. In 1919, the Grand Canyon National Park was established. The Park Service built the first bridge in the canyon across the Colorado River in 1921. It was called the Swinging Suspension Bridge, and was also built near the present-day Black Bridge location. Because it would swing, it could only handle one mule at a time. The Park Service reported, The bridge has linked the two sides of the Grand Canyon and makes possible trans-canyon travel. In 1921, Roosevelt Camp was renamed to Phantom Ranch by Mary Jane Coulter, who was in charge of major improvements to the ranch. It was opened the next year with four cabins, a lodge with a kitchen, and a dining hall. Work began in 1922 on a new trail coming down from the South Rim, which eventually would be named South Kaibab Trail. During construction work on the new Kaibab Trail, 
foreman Reese Griffith was descending down a rope after some rock had been blasted away. Loose rock from above fell down on him and killed him. He was buried near the trail along the north side of the river. His burial place and monument can still be seen. In 1925, the South Kaibab Trail was finished. In 1924, work started on the North Kaibab Trail that would bypass the rough old Bright Angel Trail and head up Roaring Springs Canyon to the rim. When it was proposed, engineers said it can't be done, but the trail work was started. It took four years to complete. Reports included, quote, For those looking for a big thrill, the new Kaibab Trail will give it. For beyond all question of a doubt, it is the most spectacular horse trail in the world. As tourist traffic increased to Phantom Ranch, a new bridge was needed. In 1928, what became known as Black Bridge was constructed. It was rigid, wider, and higher than the first bridge. From 1933 to 1936, Civilian Conservation Corps, or CCC, were assigned by the government to improve Phantom Ranch. The camp usually had about 200 workers. It was known as the most difficult camp to supply among all the CCC camps across the country because it was so remote. They built more trails, buildings, telephone lines, and even a swimming pool at Phantom Ranch, which was used until 1972. As far back as the 1930s, the South Rim water supply for the hotels and settlements was transported from Flagstaff 100,000 gallons daily. In 1965, the Trans Canyon Pipeline began construction to take water from Roaring Springs on the north side all the way to the South Rim. But in 1966, a massive flood in Bright Angel Creek destroyed much of the pipeline and closed Phantom Ranch for several months. Above Roaring Springs Creek is a cave complex. A series of five rock dams were built inside the caves to collect water. Spring water was diverted into two intake pipes. Water was pumped up to the north rim, and one million gallons of water per day traveled by gravity all the way to a pump station at Indian Garden on the south side of the river. The pumps there pushed it the rest of the way up to the south rim. The pipeline was completed in 1970. The pedestrian silver bridge was constructed that year to hold the pipeline across the river. In 1972, an artist, Bruce Aiken, began working for the Park Service to maintain and operate the pumps and pipeline, a job he held for 33 years. He lived with his wife and three children in a two-bedroom house built in 1927 below Roaring Springs. Mary Aiken said, I don't tell strangers that I live at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. It just confuses them. <laughs> In 1972, I started living at the canyon and um, threw myself into the study of the natural functions of the canyon, identifying every plant in the park that I could find, every plant in the canyon. Bruce's children grew up in the canyon and loved it. He said, my son never wore shoes until he was five years old. He caught trout in Bright Angel Creek with his bare hands, and they met interesting people from all over the world on the trail. The kids would set up a lemonade stand for hikers and made very good money. They also invited tourists to dinner, resulting in dinner guests nearly every night. In 2006, Bruce retired and finally moved out of the canyon. 
In recent years, the pump house was automated and a caretaker was no longer needed. The Aikens house was converted to a ranger station and the location was renamed Manzanita Rest Area. In the 1970s, rim-to-rim running began. In 1974, Bill Emerton, a very experienced marathon runner from Australia, received newspaper attention when he ran across the Grand Canyon. He had a rough time with the trails and finished in a slow 7 hours 45 minutes. He had planned to do a double crossing that stopped. In October 1974, Jerry Jobski, a world-class marathoner and a cross-country coach, set the fastest known time for a south-to-north crossing. He crossed in 3 hours 7 minutes. Max Telford of New Zealand and Hawaii came to the mainland in 1976 to run what probably was the first double-crossing run. As Max was coming back up out of the canyon, the rangers told tourists what was happening, and several hundred people cheered when he finished in 8 hours 34 minutes. In 1979, a group of five runners from Houston planned to run across the canyon south to north and then back the next day. All went well until about mile 22 on the North Kaibab Trail. The closed trail had a section that was destroyed by rockfall and it dropped away down a cliff. They considered running back, but doing 44 miles was outside their abilities. They eventually scrambled around the damaged section and made it to the North Rim after a nine and a half hour run. The North Rim Rangers were not pleased, said that they could have sighted them and wouldn't let them go back down the next day. The runners took a $298 10-minute helicopter ride back. In 1979, ultra-running legend Ken Young of the Southern Arizona Hiking Club organized a group run to race across the canyon. The race grew each year and in 1981 had 101 starters and they all finished. Four aid stations were provided along the way. Alan Kirton finished in a record 3 hours 6 minutes. A month later in 1981, Ken and Jennifer Young organized the first Grand Canyon double crossing race starting at the South Kaibab Trailhead. Nine brave runners participated. Alan Curitan won again in 7 hours 51 minutes. He held the fastest known time for both a single and double crossing. Both single and double crossing races were held again in 1982. The single crossing race had 116 starters and the double had 50. Runners were warned the trail is not maintained on the north rim part. It will be leaf-strewn, washed out, rocky, and in some places very dangerous. One section, the cliffs, is blasted out of rock and has a very sheer drop-off. Then you must return. The last climb out can be exhausting. You must climb out if you want to go home. (laughs) There are no aid stations, course monitors, t-shirts, trophies, or anything to hold your hand. Because of complaints about a different large 1982 single crossing race, the Grand Canyon National Park Service requested that no formal organized competitive events or spectator sports take place within the park. Ken's club stopped holding their race as requested for a few years, but others picked it up and continued. 
1986, the Southern Arizona Hiking Club again started to put on an annual double-crossing race that was called the Rim to Rim to Rim 50. Sid Hirsch of Tucson was the race director. These annual races were held in late May when it could be very hot. 13 started and 10 finished that first year. In 1987, a newspaper reporter who ran wrote, quote, We moved as fast as we could, trying not to become sudden cartwheels and spin off into the river a mile below. Also in 1987, a Utah-led double-crossing race was held in the fall. They started from the North Rim. Wally Scheel finished second in 10.05 and then kept going to accomplish a quad crossing in 24 hours, 45 minutes, the first ever to run a quad. As of 2018, less than 10 runners have accomplished a quad, including yours truly. In 1992, Hirsch was planning his 7th annual Rim to Rim to Rim 50 race. After an Arizona Highway magazine published a negative article about the previous year's race, the Park Service informed Hirsch that his race was unauthorized in the park. Hirsch canceled the formal race, but still invited runners to come run with him informally, each on their own. 100 runners showed up on race day along with two rangers at the start who threatened that everyone could be sighted. Angry words were exchanged, but the, quote, informal run went on after the rangers took down everyone's names. It was a very hot day in May, and two runners had to be rescued by helicopter, and the park service continued to monitor the rest of the group from the air. The race would no longer be held by the club. In recent years, the National Park Service has again cracked down on big group runs across the canyon and started requiring permits for groups above 12. Grand Canyon is more than just a view, more than just a two-dimensional landscape. There are so many lessons and ways to explore Grand Canyon. It is a laboratory. It is a virtual classroom. The diversity here is unparalleled. days ahead, thousands more will run across the Grand Canyon and back. We all need to give recognition to all those who made this amazing but risky adventure possible. If you do run a double crossing, be safe. It is not Disneyland down there. With that, this is Davy Crockett and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances.